I tell you, little buddy, this whole island is bewitched. Welcome to this bonus episode of Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. The guy over there is Greg Cott. And if you want to be the first to hear our bonus podcast, become a Sound Opinions member on Patreon or Patreon. I say it differently every show, <laughs> and that's just to keep you all engaged. Uh, like Jane Mecklenburg. Jane! Sweet Jane! Thank you, Jane, for supporting the show. Uh, we wouldn't be here without our listeners. Now, Greg and I have so much music that we're always eager to share with you and to talk about. There's no telling what's going to bubble up on any given day. Uh, Greg, give us a little hint of what you got in store. Well, there was a big birthday that an iconic performer uh, celebrated. Recently, I want to pay tribute to that performer with my pick. Ah, happy birthday pick from Greg. We'll hear that in a minute on Sound Opinions. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. Greg has got a birthday pick. I'm curious about this one. Uh, Joni Mitchell turned 80. Oh, wow. November yeah. 7th. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a big one. You yeah. Know, and considering that we nearly lost Joni, we thought we might have lost yeah. her uh, a few years back. She's back releasing new music. Uh, seems to be doing some shows again, which is fantastic news. Uh, enjoying a bit of a victory lap, if we may say so. Um, yeah. And, and the fact that she's still around and doing music and reminding us of her greatness is a blessing. I wanted to point to a particular period in her career that I find fascinating because I think a lot of Joni fans sort of tuned out after she started re uh, reached a certain point in the mid, mid to late 70s. Her music became, quote-unquote, more difficult, mm. right? Uh, it wasn't the folk-based stuff from her, her earlier in her career. But I really think for her it was the only way forward. And... In, in a way, revived her passion for what she was doing. And if the fan base didn't quite catch up to it then, they're catching up to it now, uh, realizing that this is really adventurous stuff that maybe was a little bit of ahead of its time, totally unexpected back then. Now we're sort of processing in the context of a career that has consistently been about challenging boundaries. You know, she was coming off this string of really acclaimed albums in the early to mid-'70s, Blue, 
For the Roses, Court and Spark. And then she released The Hissing of Summer Lawns in Yeah, I knew that's where you were going to go. And it's a key transitional album because it really points the way to her stretching her music away from folk and pop and going more in the direction of jazz and art songs, even touches of classical music she was starting to get mm-hmm. into from that point on. Now, the album cover, Joni does most of her album cover. She did this one. Uh, the painting is of a huge anaconda being carried by a handful of Africans against a backdrop of the L.A. skyline. (laughs) The hissing of summer lawns, get it? You know, you've got this kind of ominous undercurrent here in this kind of idyllic scenario of L.A., right? One of the only things I miss about writing for the Sun-Times, right, for 15 years, daily newspaper, is uh, I once did the obligatory summer preview. You know, you got we used to have to do these things every year, right? Summer concert season, right? And it was, uh, I used it more as a reason to rant about lousy sound, bad facilities, Mm. and outdoor, what was then called the World Music Theater, and, you know, the, you know, best headline ever the dissing of summer lawns <laughs> yeah, there you go. that is a good one well done Joni. uh you know she's given us catchphrases in addition to great songs yeah. for, for decades and that was one of them so the album cover is kind of depicting the scenario this proverbial snake in the grass right and you've got a scenario here where she's pointing out that things aren't what they seem on the surface yeah. you know the first song on that record, uh, and it was a very pointed that it was first in the selection here, In France They Kiss on Main Street. That was her last top 100 hit of that mm. decade. Uh, she really didn't get back on the charts after that for quite, for quite some time. But it was also a turning point in her career because you could, it, even though it was a pop hit, it was starting to incorporate some of these other elements, that elastic bass line, you know, her vocals very jazzy. At the same time, she was kind of waving goodbye to where she had come from. The backing vocalists on this track are no one, no less than David Crosby, mm. Graham Nash, and James Taylor, right? This is the scene that she'd been lumped in with, those guys, you know, the singer-songwriter scene of the uh, late 60s, early 70s. She's saying so long to that. She's soon going to replace those collaborators and those peers with a new set of collaborators, Jaco Pistorius, Wayne mm-hmm. Shorter, Herbie Hancock, you know, I interviewed Joni um, a while ago. I tried to, you know, have her make sense of where she, what, where her head was at during that period. And she said, I've, I've always been an adjacent folky. It was just that it took me six records to find a band to play my music. <laughs> the rhythms were too intricate for folk rock mm. because my harmonies were not very white, like James Taylor's or Carol, mm. Carol King's, where everything was in a major or minor key. My emotional makeup is a bit vaguer. My life is going nicely, but always with a kind of dissonance going through it. And I gravitated toward wider chords, black, quote-unquote, voicings out of gospel and jazz because they mirrored what I was feeling. And I thought that was just a brilliant way of expressing where, what she was thinking at that time. So the song, uh, In France They Kiss on Main Street, is a fond look back on her youth, the, the, the small-town innocence that she knew while she was growing up in Western Canada. And, you know, there's this cast of characters that she, you know, she paints a very vivid uh, picture. Gail, Louise, Chicky, Ron, <laughs> Leadfoot, Melvin, they're all in this song. Mm-hmm. And she's basically saying goodbye to that youth, and she's going to move on from here. So really an important kind of transitional song in her career, uh, one that doesn't, this album doesn't get enough love, this song doesn't get enough love. But I'm going to give it some love on Joni's 80th, uh, in celebration of Joni's 80th. In France, they kiss on Main Street from Joni Mitchell on Sound Opinions. (laughs) 
just kissing in cars, kissing in cafes. And they were walking down Main Street, kisses like bright flags hung on holidays. In France, they kiss on Main Street. That is Joni Mitchell. In France, they kiss on Main Street and uh, waving goodbye to one ear and saying hello to another. You know, as with Bob Dylan uh, and Neil Young, Greg, we are just lucky to be alive at the same time <laughs> as Joni Mitchell. Right. And long may she run, uh, to borrow a Neil title. That's it for this bonus episode of Sound Opinions. For more full episodes, visit our website, soundopinions.org, to sponsor the show. Email sponsor at soundopinions.org. Sound Opinions, as always, is produced by Alex Claiborne, Andrew Gill, our associate producer, Sol Delgadillo, and our Columbia College intern, Max Hatlam. Social media is handled by Katie Cott. Thanks for listening.